safety and health and God restore was lost. Um, I pray for those that are here, for those watching online, the guy that we can renew our hope. Give us strength, give us grace to get through those moments that are sometimes uh, hard for us to get through on our own. And thank you so much uh, for Alex and Darby got here with them, and uh, may they come back refreshed and recharged. Uh, and we look forward to seeing them next week. And God, thank you so much for your blessings. Just we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, I'll start a series called Hope, and last week we talked about how sometimes hope is not a strategy, and today we're talking about how hope, the science of hope, and how um, there's real tangible, practical ways that we can live our life, um, and hope can be an anchor through those times, um, and a real roadmap. Um, but when we think of hope, we often think of hope being like this ethereal, abstract, definitely not concrete type of thing. Um, but hope can be like faith, hope is magical, hope is a belief, hope in a thing, hope in a future, hope in a person. Could there be science to hope? Like, could something so abstract really have practical ways that it can be measured? And, and so the Arizona State University wanted to find out. Um, and so in their findings, they were really making a distinction between hope and what sometimes we think hope can be. Hope to win the lottery is more like a wish. All right? There's nothing you can do to win the lottery. You buy a ticket, and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. More often than not, it doesn't happen. And research has even shown that if you consistently play the lottery, shout out to my grandma, um, even though you may win over the times that you pay to play, it actually balances out so that you actually never really truly make the money, even though you may win. So it's this weird thing, but um, I always look at my grandma's scratches. I love scratches every now and then. But um, sometimes, you know, we can have hope in having a good day, but that's just being optimistic. Um, just being optimistic doesn't always make things hopeful and good. Hopeful people are able to set goals, they say in this research team. Identifying ways to reach their goals and feel so they can work to achieve those goals, says Crystal Bryce, Associate Director of Research for the Hope Center and Clinical Assistant Professor. Hope is an active process. They go on to say this in their research. Dreams and optimism are just belief structures. When you're an optimistic person, you believe things, will, things in the world will turn out to be just fine. No matter what happens. Optimistic people see the glass half full. You ever hear that? It's glass half full and empty. But hopeful people, they say, ask how they can fill the glass. And I love that because I think a lot of times when we hear that euphemism, we think we're either this or that, half empty or half full. But shout out to the others that can fill the glass. And I think there's a lot of people in our world, a lot of places in our world, maybe in our families and communities that are half empty and maybe we can help fill their glass. Maybe you can think of someone now who's going through a difficult time. Just that prayer, just that shoulder to cry, just that talk. Sometimes just taking a moment to talk and listen can truly fill someone's glass with empty. And they came up with these set of roadmap markers in this idea of the science behind women, and it breaks it down into one, two, three, four, five, six, six mile markers on this journey of hope. They say this one, you gotta set goals. 
Two, take small steps. A lot of times when we start something, we think we've got to do something big. But sometimes it just starts with something small. And I love this next one. Check in with yourself. Have a day sometimes where you just get away. What is your thing that recharges your battery? What's your thing that helps you kind of like settle yourself instead of going, going, going to the next thing? A pause. Say no to this. Say not yet to that. And check in on yourself. Practice. Fail. It's okay to fail on your journey of hope. And I, this is really key. This is what we're going to really focus on today. Is foster community of support. Hope is not something that is just based on you. Hope is best in community. And lastly, take action. You know, there's someone in the, in the Old Testament who is a very famous historical biblical figure. Um, many musicals have been made about this person, movies. And it's Joseph, the son of Jacob, and his amazing typical Jacob. And I love the story of Joseph because a lot of times um, when you think of people in the Bible, you think of everything going right. Pray, God, God shows up. They went almost kind of like how we were talking about David last week. He faced a lot of, didn't get a scratch on him, and he won. Joseph lost more than he won, but God was able to use those losses and use his journey to do things that he couldn't do on his own to save himself and save the nation. He's the son of Isaac, uh, the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was his father. Um, he gave him a very ornate and colorful coat. And God gave him a dream. But his brothers faked his death and sold him into slavery. You thought your family had some problems. <laughs> this family had even bigger problems. And this is the ironic thing about Joseph and Jesus. The same amount of money that Joseph was sold into slavery for was the same amount of money that Judas used to betray Jesus. I just think that's so interesting. Um, and there's so many parallels. Um, the plan was for Joseph to be forgotten. But God never forgets us. God never forgets you. We often talk about having hope in God, but here's the really cool thing that doesn't get talked about enough in sermons, and I think it's all throughout the Bible, but we don't see it all the time. God has hope in you, in me, in all of us, in people. Joseph had favor and found himself working for a high-ranking Egyptian official. This high-ranking official's wife tried to seduce Joseph in a, uh, you know, made-for-TV movie drama, all right, or like a Hulu drama or a Netflix show that you just can't binge to see what's going to happen to this person. He got framed because he did not fall for the seduction of uh, this official's wife, and he left, and she framed him. He did nothing wrong, and he got put in prison. How many times do we do the right thing within society, life, sometimes a bad boss, sometimes a crazy uncle, you know, can put us in places that we never would put ourselves in, and we say, why, God, are you doing this to me? And it would be easy to think of all the negatives, but here's the ironic thing. Even though Joseph was framed for that crime, he should have been killed, and he wasn't. He was thrown in prison, and God was with him all through this time. Actually, he talks about this in Genesis 39. It says that Joseph was thrown in prison and God was with him. Sometimes we go through difficult things. We just know that someone's with us. Can help us get through. Um, and God's always with us. And I love where the story picks up in Genesis 40, where it starts off in this chapter. And the, the first 
line, the first phrase is this, sometimes, sometime later, comma. I think some of us live in that sometime later. You know, we're not where we've been, we're not yet where, where, where we want to be, where God is taking us. We're in that middle, that messy middle of sometime later, and there's no time frame. We don't know how long it will be, and when you don't know how long something will be, it always seems longer. So sometimes later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker defended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time. Then, there you go, this undisclosed amount of time. Um, oh, sometimes you get stuck in those moments. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. So here's this, so he chose to be those in prison. He has a role. He's got a purpose. Um, sometimes when we're in difficult situations, there could be a purpose to that trial. Um, while they were in prison, the joke, uh, while they were in prison, Paris, Cupbearer, and Baker each had a dream one night. And each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Noticing. You know, sometimes when we're going through difficult problems, all the focus is on us. But sometimes for us to get out of those sometimes later, for quite some time moments, don't stop noticing. Don't stop noticing those around you. Your family, your friends, even your co-workers. A lot of things can happen when we notice. He noticed that they were both upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night. And no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. And so the story goes on. The chief baker dream was foretold that he would die, and he did. The cupbearer's dream foretold that he would be restored and get out of prison, and he was. Not only did Joseph not give up hope in God or blame God, he never gave up hope in himself. Joseph continued to advocate for himself and, and live in his giftings. goes on to say this, Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to prison, uh, to restore you to position as chief cupbearer, not just cupbearer, but a promotion, chief cupbearer. And this is the key thing, where Joseph is like advocating for himself and still had hope in him, in himself, that God did not give up on him and he did not give up and please remember me, and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh, so he may let me out of this place, for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve it. Speak up for yourself. It's okay. You know, a wish is that I wish I get out of this place. Hope is I'm not going to stop believing in people, even though people hurt me. It would be so easy for Joseph to be like, I'm just going to just do me and forget about everyone else. But he said, don't forget about me. Mention my name. Just mention my name to Pharaoh. And you know what's really interesting? Verse 15. When he's talking about what happened to him, he was sold into slavery. He was betrayed by his brothers. His brothers sold him out. Like, faked his death. All these horrible, horrific things from his own brothers. But how does Joseph see it? speak to it. He says he was kidnapped. He still believed the best in his brothers. 
That's hard. I mean, like, cursing my brothers. <laughs> I mean, like, talking bad about my brothers. Like, yo, you have been, you don't even know how jacked up my family is. But he didn't. And, and I, I think there's something special in that. Where even though Joseph was in this terrible place, his mind wasn't there. Even though physically he was in a bad place, he knew that God had a plan for him. And he knew that people are still worth having hope in. And just as God has hope in us, we can't stop having hope in others. As the Arizona State study showed, hope's journey includes a community. We cannot make it on our own. That's a model march on that journey that foster community of hope. There are some situations that we cannot get ourselves out of. And sometimes when things go wrong and things don't go the way we expect them to go, we just want to, you know, what they say, go with the flow. And I like this quote from an influencer before influencer was a thing, this philosopher and extremely influential person, Jane Fonda, has a really good quote. And I like this quote. Instead of drifting along like a leaf in a river, understand who you are and how you came across, and how you come across the people, and what kind of impact you have on people around you, and the community around you, and the world. So that when you go out, you can feel that you have made a positive difference. I love that. Just don't go with the flow. Realize who you are, your life matters, and you can make a difference to those around you and yourself. Joseph couldn't get himself out of prison. He needed others. Sometimes we need others too. Uh, recently, I got a new job as a teacher uh, at the city school in Philadelphia. It's a really cool school, like three campuses, two elementary schools, and one middle school, high school campus, and um, it was really great. It was a promotion, it was an increase in pay. Uh, my sons can go to a school that puts them on a track uh, through high school and into college, like straight to college, because trying to get your kids into schools nowadays, even if it's middle school, is like applying to college. It is like ridiculous how much these, like how much goes into just getting your child into, into a school. Um, the whole year last year, I was like praying and feeling like, I was ready to leave that, that school. I even applied to some jobs, had an interview, and didn't get the job. And I was upset because when you interview, it's like rejection. And I hate rejection. I feel like, oh, why don't they want to hire me? Why don't they want me? And, and so I was like all crushed and like upset. And I was like real moody. And Mercy, you can probably speak to this how moody I was, you know. Um, certainly my kids for sure. And then this summer, I get um, a message from a friend who I tried to get a job at my school that I was at a year ago. And um, she was like, hey, the city school is looking for a teacher. Would you be interested in applying? I was looking to apply at that school, but every time I looked, I didn't see any openings. She, she told me, and she's like, you're to apply to this school. And uh, I applied and got a job. And it's been awesome. And I'm so grateful to be there. It's like this sense of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I was telling um, one of the administrators, I was like, this school is not easy. There are students with a lot of needs. But I feel like that's where I belong. And I can't tell you how many times in life, in ministry, different jobs, where I would work a job, be at a church, and I just didn't feel like I belong. I feel like you belong is a normal thing. It helps you overcome those difficult situations. 
and uh, couldn't have done that job by myself. We need community. We need others. Hope is a community. Hope is not an individuality. We love the Lone Rangers. The movies always focus on the lone hero, but sometimes we can't always make it on our own. Hope has meaning in the midst of the messy middle. And I love the end of Joseph's story. And it picks up in Genesis 45. And I'm going to read two parts. One from the message from Genesis 45. And then how Joseph is looked upon in the New Testament. Alright, so Genesis 45 says this. When he gets the position of leadership in Egypt, one of the highest officials, and there's a famine in the land, and the only place you can get food is Egypt, and here comes his brothers looking for help. And Joseph is the only one who can give them help. And he can either refuse them and be like, you did this to me, eye for an eye, you guys are out of love, or he can help them. Let's see what Joseph does. Joseph couldn't hold himself in any longer. Keeping up in front before all his attendants, he cried out, Leave, leave, clear out, everyone leave. So there was no one with Joseph when he identified himself to his brothers, because he was in the land of Egypt. But his sobbing was so violent that the Egyptians couldn't help but hear him. I mean, can you imagine this? All this emotion built up over the years, and he's just bawling his eyes out. And it was. Um, uncustomary or it wasn't custom, it wasn't ex really accepted for an official to show emotion. So for him to do this was him taking a risk even of his own job, but he couldn't help himself. At that time, officials had to always be reserved, had to like, just be like spot, you know, just like no emotion, all intelligence, always had the answers, and you cannot get out of that lane. Joseph went way out of that lane and was sobbing uncontrollably to the fact that they could hear him in another room. The news was soon reported to Pharaoh's place because here's his official crying his eyes out. Pharaoh, who is this person? And why is he having this moment? Who is this person you are? What is going on here? And Joseph spoke to his brothers. I'm Joseph. Is my father really still alive? But his brothers couldn't say a word. They were speechless. They couldn't believe what they were hearing and seeing. This is the person we sold into slavery? What? Come closer to me, Joseph said to his brothers. They came closer. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel badly and don't blame yourself for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me ahead of you to save lives. There has been a famine laying out for two years. The famine will continue for five more years. Neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me ahead to pave the way and make sure that there's a remnant in the land to save your lives. In an amazing act of deliverance. So you see, shout out to Darman. My kids love this this uh, YouTuber named Darman. He always has these like little moral messages. And at the end, he always says, "So you see, so you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He sent me a place as a father and Pharaoh, put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me an outsider ruler." Of Egypt. Only God can do that. That's so good. The New Testament in Acts says this God was right there with him through it all. He not only rescued him from all his troubles, but he was able to bring attention to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He was so impressed with Joseph, they put him in charge of the whole country, including his own personal affairs. Not only did Joseph save his family, 
Not only did Joseph put in a position to save Egypt, he saved two nations, Israel as well, because he provided provisions for Egypt to save Israel too. One person had an impact on so many lives. The Old Testament has a phrase in the book of Isaiah, beauty for ashes, maybe you've heard that phrase before, how sometimes God can raise up something from the ashes, a new life rebirth. But that, that phrase, beauty for ashes, it's a term for when people are in mourning and either they're experiencing shame or grief, um, grief and repentance, something happened to them, they lost a family member or something they did, and they're showing repentance, and so they would put ashes on their head. And the term beauty for ashes means that God will wipe away the ashes and put a crown of beauty on your head. The very thing that was meant to shame you will be the very thing that will elevate you and put you in a position of beauty and power. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is lost. Sometimes you feel like, why did I go through that situation? Why did this happen? Sometimes we don't know, but we do know that it's not worthless and it wasn't for nothing. Hope is a journey. We may not see all the places hope goes. Sometimes in the world, we only get a glimpse. Sometimes we don't know until the delight to come. But hope has the final say, and hope will not disappoint. God used Joseph, God can use you too. And maybe he's already using you, and you don't even realize it yet. I'm going to close with this verse, and then we'll pray, or so maybe you can like close to the song. Romans 5, verses 3 and 5 say this, And we are also happy with the troubles we have. We are happy. Why are we happy with troubles? Like, I love this. It's like, and we're happy with the troubles we have. And like, the next verse is like, and why are we happy again? Because we know that these troubles make us more patient. And this is, and I love this next part. This is key. If you don't listen to anything, or the viewer, or online, listen to this. And this patience is proof that we You're strong. The things that you've gone through have made you stronger. And maybe your strength can help lift someone else up who can't get up on their own. And this patience is proof that we are strong. You are strong. And this proof gives us hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. We know this because God has poured his love to fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit he gave us. Remember going back to the glass half full had that day? And we know this because God has poured out his love. And we allow God to fill our cups, we're allowed to fill the cups of others. Hope never disappoints. God is not disappointing in you. He's got a plan for you. We may not always see it, but it will make sense. Beauty for ashes, nothing is wasted. May you have hope today. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for filling our cups when it's half empty, maybe all the way empty. But God, you never stop looking us. And even though life may disappoint us, God, we know that with you, our lives can make a difference. God, give us hope. May we have hope in ourselves. God, may we have hope in others. And thank you for never giving up on us. Hope in us. May we continue to live out that hope. We thank you so much, Lord, for the journey that we're on.
worth it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.